This is Outline of a Murder, the smart true crime podcast that goes into the why behind the crime. And I am Sherry Wilson, your host. And with me is a woman who survived Jane Fonda workouts, leotards, leg warmers, did, and bands. And I did them. And I had the bands. Mom. <laughs> yes, by the way, the Jane Fonda workout did work. And I also had the headband. I had did the whole thing. Did you have the real high cut leg? Like, yes. you know, it, you had those hips, you yep. know, with the leotard shining as you did yes. your, your, the hose, your workouts. Yes, the leotards, they weren't, I don't mm-hmm. know if you call leg them. Leg warmers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had the leg warmers. Mm-hmm. Did you put, like, the perm and you put your hair up in I a did. ponytail? Uh-huh. I had the whole thing. Wow. And I did it every day faithfully. Oh. It did work. Oh, goodness. Just saying. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it isn't a plug for Jane Fonda, but right, it right. did work. Right. Well, we're doing a quick recording of our episode. We're at, I think, number six, right? That, that was a good one, right. wasn't six. it? six. That was a good it, one. It was. I worked on that one hard. I can relate to that. I could picture you in those leotards. and I have pictures, the little swimsuit. Oh, you know what? It's okay. Imagination is enough trauma as it is i do not need to see any pictures but you have a football date with your hubby we're doing a batch recording here in texas for this season and we want to get you out of here on time and uh we're doing um sheila bellush or bellish it might be bellish and uh, this one is disturbing when we look back at adam matos who broke into his ex-girlfriend's house right. 18 months later this one they broke up yeah mm-hmm. after they broke up so he had to be obsessing about it. this one's even more concerning oh yeah and i'm going to show you a picture because you know like body language facial expressions i want you to tell me what you see when we get to that point all the pictures on the website mm-hmm. outline of a murder podcast.com yeah and on instagram Okay. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Our Facebook page is actually growing for being a baby podcast. It's growing pretty good. I'm impressed. Um, Instagram could do better. So please like us. Review this and Apple Podcasts. Share it with your friends. Um, hopefully this season with the sound quality is better. We're learning. You know, we're we're getting our groove. And we're, no, we're not psychologists. We're not police nope. officers. We're just... Fascinated by true crime. Right. What takes a baby that was born sweet smiles, plays, and then they turn into a killer. That's yes. what is so fascinating. But the purpose of this, the seasons is to help other people be aware, recognize red flags, you know, just offering some of the things we've learned. And if anybody has a case or they have personal safety tips, mm-hmm. uh, they have a story they want to share. Please go to our website. We have a place where you can recommend cases. We also have a wine fund that you can contribute to and also suggest some wines that you like. Um, we're not doing them cause it's only 11 o'clock in the morning right. for these, but we will get back to those in our evening podcast that we're going to record. But this case actually takes place in Two cities, San Antonio, Texas, and Sarasota, Florida. I've never been to either. I've been to both states, obviously. I'm originally from Texas. I've been over to Pensacola a lot. Have you been to San Antonio oh, or yeah. Sarasota? Oh, yeah, I've been to San, San Antonio. It seems like a neat it's town. It's a nice, fun town. What about so, Sarasota? And, I, and I've lived here for a long time in Fort Worth area. So, mm-hmm. no, I haven't been to that, to Florida. Mm. I mean, I've been to Florida, but not, not, not Sarasota. Not, Sarasota, yes. Both uh, the the victims, well, actually, there's only one victim, but they first lived in San Antonio, which, of course, is the home of the Alamo. 
It has a million plus residents. It's the large, seventh largest city in the United States, second most populous in Texas, which I thought was interesting. I didn't know it was that big. There's lots of things to do. Like you said, the river walk I heard is famous, amusement parks, Sea World, shops and bars. That probably needs to be a trip for me and Mike. A lot of history there. Sarasota looks equally interesting and like a fun town. It's on the southern part of Tampa Bay. They also have lots to do, art museums, beaches, architecture, restaurants, swimming. It's smaller, though. I think there's maybe a little over 58,000 people that live there. Is it a tourist town? I, You know, I've heard Sarasota a lot as far as a tourist destination, so probably so. I think that whole Tampa Bay area actually is. Oh, sure. Because it's gorgeous, like a little Venice. I've been to Tampa Bay, but... Yeah. Is it pretty? It's beautiful. Our story starts on November 7th, 1997 in San Antonio when 13-year-old Stevie Blackthorne, she later changed her name to Bellish, arrived home excited to tell her mother about a boy that she liked and he was going to call her on the phone later. She was really excited. How old was she? 13. 13. She entered her home and she noticed that her quadruplet siblings were running around unintended. Some were crying. And they had on their life vests. And the reason they had their life vests on is because they're quadruplets, right? Right. And she wants to make sure that when she's changing the diaper of one quadruplet, that the others don't uh, dive into the swimming pool and drown. So she'd put their little life vests on so that she could make sure they were safe, which shows that she's obviously a good mother. Stevie noticed that they had red stuff on them, and she wondered where her mom was. She started looking around, and she found a person lying on the kitchen floor uh, in a pool of blood, and she realized quickly that it was her mom. But there was so much blood, she wasn't sure at first. So she immediately called 911. The children were walking around. And playing in the blood. Oh, and their little their life vests. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. This is a picture of the um, just partial of the crime scene. It was too gruesome to show the rest. But notice there's some laundry. And is that a phone? Uh huh. It's a phone. And I mean, you can see just some of the blood already. It's everywhere. But yes, these little babies that weren't old enough to know not to get in a pool, right? Like she'd put the little life vest on to protect them. You know, where children involved these kind of cases, you're like, what monster? I mean, you have to be a monster. Yes. Four little babies running around in their mother's blood. Yes. Mm. And the victim, Sheila Bellish, was dead at the scene. Sheila, and I had a picture of her up with her uh, family. There's a little uh, quadruplets right there. And how old was she when this happened? I think in her 30s. And then this is them right here. The, again, she's got, th- these are her two daughters from a previous marriage. And then she has her quadruplets with her new husband. She was, oh, 35. 35. 35, mother of six. She had two girls from a previous marriage, then the quadruplets, three boys and one daughter with her second husband, Jamie. She's a beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman. She was a devoted mother, and she had a personality that drew you in, which you can tell by her smile. At, at detectives, they it was a very real whodunit from the start because her husband was on a business trip. He was gone, and they were able oh, to verify that he was gone. Because that's who I look at at first. Yes. It has to be the husband. They knew it wasn't his, and the crime scene told them a lot as well. 
because it looked like Sheila was carrying a basket of laundry when she was literally shot in the face with a 45 caliber weapon. Oh. Little toddler clothes were strewn all over the kitchen floor, soaked in blood. The babies had been walking, crawling, and playing in the blood for hours. Oh, my gosh. Their footprints and handprints were all over the uh, kitchen. Detectives also noticed defensive wounds on her arms and hands and two cuts across her throat. They were able wow. to. Wow. They yeah. wanted to make sure she was so dead. So she's got the gunshot wound to her face. Then she's got, it appears like attempted cuts to slice her throat, as well as the defensive wounds. They were able to determine that after Sheila was shot in the face, she got up and tried to fight her attacker off, revealing a true mother's heart to protect her kids. After she was shot. With a 45 caliber. So she's shot in the face, and to protect her babies, she fights the attacker. So I would have thought she'd have been killed immediately. Right. That's she a big wasn't. gun, isn't it? Yes, it's a huge gun. It would have shattered a lot of stuff. And but to me, that's a testament of a mother. It's like Kelly Anthony or uh, Kelly Clayton, where she should have been dead after the first blows, and she ran away from her that's kids. True. So it's like a supernatural or superhuman strength that will come over a mother to protect her children. It, wow. it, it appears. So after she was shot in the face, she got up, fought off her attacker, and then the attacker grabbed a kitchen knife. And you know, maybe just don't leave your kitchen knives on the counter. Well, you know, you know what I mean? and what this is in what year? In the nineties? Yeah, but still, it's like they always find a knife in the kitchen. It's like well, if you see movies and stuff back then, or, or shows or go to people's houses, they had kitchen blocks. That yes. was the thing. We had kitchen yes. blocks. Yes, and the knife right there, right? just waiting for the killer to. So he didn't bring it, but he brought the gun. It. Yeah, he brought the gun, so he came prepared to kill. Right. Right. And his target was obviously her because the babies weren't harmed. But wonder why he didn't shoot her twice instead of stabbing. I her. have no. Well, maybe he didn't want the neighbors to hear multiple gunshots maybe again they're not smart but they're lucky right okay so we'll see the how he got caught but he grabbed he grabbed the knife he began attacking her with that he finally slit her throat twice but he missed arteries he only hit veins so again not very good at his job obviously she collapsed to the floor and the attacker fled she dragged herself 15 feet across the floor to get to the phone and she had her hand on the phone when she collapsed. Oh, so close. Mm-hmm. Collapsed mm-hmm. unconscious or mm-hmm. collapsed dead. died. She's dead. And uh, I've got some video here. Uh, let's see. I want to start playing this. Millionaire ex-husband. He's a husband from the start. We just have to learn it's about him. He can't touch me. I'm never going to get him. The investigation runs on for two years as the suspect spends his days on the golf course. He would always say, she'll never leave me because if she does, I'll kill her. Investigate me as much as you want. I have nothing to do with this. And at that point, she'd been divorced. So here... The kids were how old? So that's how long? Yeah. At this point that she was murdered? I want to introduce the ex-husband because... Okay. Like I was saying... The the um, first or the second husband was not a suspect pretty quickly because they were able to prove his alibi. But they had this other 
uh, husband that they immediately started looking at. And he was a millionaire and he lived in San Antonio. At this point, Sheila and her new husband live in Sarasota. It's very interesting. So detectives, detectives, detectives (laughs) always start from the inside out, obviously. And uh, Jamie, now he was interesting. He was a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical salesman he was also a former marine and that's the first second husband, husband second husband they learned when they started investigating that he and sheila had just moved to sarasota weeks before due to a promotion jamie got but there was more to it i'm going to get into that in a second jamie was tough on his two stepdaughters i mean he was a marine okay so i'm sure he was a little bit strict they can tend to do that and this bothered sheila But again, he had an airtight alibi. Um, He let the police know about a pool guy that seemed to have a crush on Sheila and creeped her out, but they ruled him out by DNA. They then turned their attention to the first husband in that clip named Alan Blackthorne. Was there a reason that they did that? Well, again, they're going to start. Yeah, they're going to start inside and go out. And so they're going to look at the ex-husband as well. They found out the divorce was very contentious. And they'd been divorced how long at this point? I'm not sure. Long enough the for babies. their babies. Yeah. yeah, so a few years. But he had an alibi. They, oh. couldn't, they couldn't place him on the scene. After the murder, the next-door neighbor contacted detectives and let him know about the suspicious man that drove by that morning and then parked in front of the Bellish house. He was dressed in camo, which made the neighbor suspicious, also, it seemed like a, a family neighbor or a friendly neighbor because the neighbor said that he would like wave at everyone who passed by and they would wave back except this guy. Oh, well, see, that would make you more suspicious. Mm-hmm. He should have just waved. Uh-huh. Again, not smart, but right, lucky. Right. When he came and parked in front of the house wearing camo, he decided to memorize the car and the license plate. I do the same thing. I, I do. I even today. It was YBR62G. The neighbor made a sentence to remember, yes, Bob, run 62 girls. That's, that's how you remember uh, That's how plate. I remember license plates. I would get lost trying I, to remember I, the sentence. So, I have to go in sentences when I see it. Yeah, now I just grab my phone and put it in notes. Well, if I'm driving, I have to have a sentence. Yeah, that it's brilliant. It probably wouldn't work for me. Right. Detectives ran the place. Now, so remember, the guy wearing camo parks in front of the Bellish house. That's pretty smart, I'd say. (laughs) So they run the plate in Florida, where they live, but it came up empty. The neighbors said it was white, and they knew that Sheila was originally from Texas. So they ran it in Texas, and it came back registered to a Jose or Joey Del Toro, a 21-year-old former football star, a playboy, and a cocaine addict. Oh, so he's so smart he used his own car also. (laughs) That's good. Again, like you said... Dumb, but But lucky. lucky. They match his prints from a previous arrest to the one left by the killer on the dryer. Wow. Yeah. Again. It was a match, obviously. So now they're trying to figure out, okay, how did a small-time criminal from Texas end up in Sarasota to murder Sheila? Like, that was his only purpose was coming here. I'm sure the detective, obviously, the husband, ex-husband lives there. Well, or... Was it the current husband hired someone from Texas to throw him off, right? So they're trying to... Because he had an alibi. Everybody had an alibi except the guy that parked in front of the house and left his bloody fingerprint. 
So they got the FBI involved because they want to talk to Del Toro. And uh, crossing state lines, you know, to investigate, they can't do that. So, but the fact that he drove from Texas to Florida meant it was now a federal offense. Because whenever you cross borders or, or lines, yes, to go and do a crime, it's now federal. Officials began hunting for Del Toro, but they couldn't find him. They did find his car. Inside it was a map to her house, the murder weapon, camo. <laughs> And blood evidence. Sometimes they're so stupid that you just can't imagine. Like, I couldn't imagine in my mind someone come in here and murder me. That's how I feel with these and cases that's how sometimes. They do it. You're like, I can't imagine you would be so stupid. It's like Mr. Magoo. Yeah. Doing the murder. Exactly. But Mr. Again, Magoo, if nobody knows who that is at this, this age, was a cartoon. Who was blind the, as a bat. He was blind as a bat. It was a good cartoon. But anyway. But the idea is that... You're in your home. You think it's safe. You're just doing laundry. I'm sure for quadruplets, that was a never-ending task. You don't expect someone to step into your house and blow your face off, right? And if it was a bright day like it is here, your door could have been open. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, never had mine. It's always locked. Mm-mm. Even in the day. Uh-uh. Well, yeah. I watch too I mean, I, I read books about sexual sadists for like reading before bed, right? Right. So I don't have anything unlocked, unlocked. ever. Unlocked. <laughs> Well, mine's locked, but it's open. Yeah, nope. Yeah. I don't do okay. that either. All right. Now, I'm not sure exactly when the FBI got involved, but they did, you know, find out that he had fled to Mexico. I would assume early because it crossed the border. Yes, or, or probably once they realized yeah. he drove from Texas, they got yeah. involved. Uh, soon they learned, you know, from cousins and stuff that he worked, he had a cousin that worked at a local golf club, and his name was Sammy Gonzalez. The same golf club that um, the ex-husband, the first ex-husband, went to, okay? So I don't think it took much to get Sammy talking, from what I could tell. He told the police that Danny Rocha had put a hit out on her. Wait, who's Danny Rocha? I'll get to him. And asked Sammy if he knew of anyone that would be willing to beat her up, at least at first. Okay, so... So we have two people mm -hmm. involved right now at this point. It gets a little bit confusing. Now, there's three. We've got Joe Del Toro, Mm -hmm. the trigger man. We have Sammy Gonzalez, his cousin, who works at a golf club where Alan Blackthorne plays golf all the time. Who is the ex-husband. The ex-husband in San Antonio. And then we have Danny Rocha, who put a hit out on her. At first, they just wanted her beat up. It soon turned into murder. Now, Rocha, who the heck is he? He was a bookie at the golf club. I had no idea there was such a thing. I didn't know there was bookies at golf clubs either. Yes. And he told Sammy that she was a bad mother who abused her kids and needed to be punished. Sammy didn't want to beat up a woman. So he recruited his cousin, Del Toro, to do it. It was either $10,000 or $14,000. I can't figure out which one because sources gave different numbers. You don't want to beat a woman, but you want to be part of a murder or a beat up. Well, at first, right. I mean, he's got a conscience. He He doesn't want to do it himself. Standards, I guess. Yes. One number said that he was actually paid $54,000. I'm not sure. I think what happened was that money went to Sammy, and then he paid Del Toro ten to fourteen k out of it. I could see that. Eventually, Del Toro was found in Mexico, an extradition agreed upon. Mexico didn't want to hand him over unless they took the death penalty off, right? Both Texas and Florida have it. (laughs) 
and they right. actually do kill death row ki- criminals. So the Mexico police are like, yeah, we can do that, but not until um, you guys take that off. So they did. They interviewed him, and he spilled the beans. So let me um, play just a small clip of him uh, talking about the murder. And this is at this is from the Unsolved Mysteries at 27 minutes in. So let me get over here. I knew I had done something wrong, but I hadn't realized what I had done. I just felt numb. Like, I couldn't feel anything. I asked God, I go, God, why did you not let me die before I had done something like this? There's not a day that goes by that I don't regret everything that I did. On one level, Joey Del Toro is the central character in the story of Sheila Belich's murder. The man- now, I find that interesting. Same. So, Which statement? <laughs> I can tell by your face you're irritated. God, why didn't you let me die before I did something so terrible? Well, first of all, that's not God's job to just take out people. But number two, you had a choice. You could have said no. You shot a mother with her quadruplets in the house with her in front of them with a 45 in the face. And you're wishing in your soft voice that God would have killed you before you killed someone else. It's all about him. What bothered me also is that he said, you know, I. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did it. Right. I think if you have a weapon, you drive from Texas to Florida, which is hours to think about what you're about to do. That's BS. So he obviously is lying through he his is. teeth. He is. Okay. Now, um, obviously they have him. And he, you know, gets extradited. Gonzalez, Del Toro, and Rocha are all arrested. But they're like, okay, who put out the hit? Now, the cops pretty much know. They know it's Alan Blackthorne, Sheila's ex-husband. He told Gonzalez, Sammy Gonzalez, a cousin of this poop bird, that he'd pay him all the money he needed to finally open up the sports bar he wanted to open. So he gave him the $54,000, and then he paid <clears throat> del toro to go and kill the lady his wife ex-wife yeah and i you wanna... know he's a millionaire a businessman a smart man mm-hmm. and then he involves three different people i don't know if he's smart you know, sometimes people are so smart they're actually dumb yeah they can have a genius level i know and he was cocky yeah he was interviews. very cocky and i remember grin. watching that mm-hmm. interview when i was young alan blackthorne was originally alan van hout he changed his name after his second divorce. Because? We'll get into that. Okay. He was a millionaire because he sold some type of medical device for, I think it was like $40 million. He became obsessed with golf and played it constantly. He also gambled and mostly lost his money, which is why the bookie, right, was always close by. But that's how he got to know Rocha and Gonzalez. He also had two divorces in his past that included allegations of abuse. Alan Blackthorne's first wife divorced him after she told him that she was pregnant and he kicked her in the stomach as a response.
Did she lose the baby? She aborted the baby, unfortunately, afraid that it had suffered too much damage, and she went into hiding. Kicked her in the stomach. Mm -hmm. So she divorced him. He married three years later, but that didn't last long either. There were more allegations of abuse, and it was at the lawyer's office when he went to work on the divorce that Sheila worked there. So Sheila was not a second divorce. Sheila Mm -mm. was the The third third. wife. Yeah. She worked as an assistant. So here's something, and not to shame or condemn the victim, but if you're working in a lawyer's office, it might be a good idea not to date any of the clients if they're going through divorces or criminal proceedings. Well, that's true. That, That could be a good starting point. She was very trusting, though. She was probably trusting, but also, you know, people think, well, you know, the divorce, people say crazy things. They make crazy accusations. It, was it doesn't other, always yeah, mean. It's true. Right. Yeah, the spouse was bad or was drinking. Yeah, but you I know. still probably would not want to date someone that's in a current divorce setting. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I would be suspicious. Because again, I'm the suspicious one. You are. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I bet you're weird. That's why you're getting divorced. <laughs> okay. Now, it, but that's not always the case it's with divorcees. Not. Well, no, because obviously his wives need to get away from him right. because he's abusive. he's abusive. Or you have poop birds that go out or they don't take care of their families. There's always good reasons. I would just, at the very least, investigate what's going on. You know, and I would see too. if there's any I mean, past marriages where there were abuse allegations and you things like that. In a lawyer's office. Mm-hmm. I've known women that have actually called the ex wives. Yes. So yes, which is very smart. You you might should do very smart if you can find them. Now, obviously, one was in hiding, but yes, talk to talk to everybody. Uh, It wasn't long until Sheila realized that she had married a monster because they married fairly quickly. Remember, we talked about the seven stages and how they'll overwhelm their potential victim with love bombing and I love you's and the relationship will move very, very, very fast. Right. It does appear this happened. He later tried to blame his mom for how evil he was, saying that he was abused as a kid and that she had set him on fire. Do we know that's true? There was never any evidence that was true. So good old Blackthorn, like prostitutes or sex workers. I'm from old school. You know, I'm not always politically correct. So please forgive me. It's just immediately. And when you research, they call them prostitutes in some of these old records. But he'd bring them home and force Sheila to sit and watch him have sex with them. He also brought men home and forced her to have sex with them while he watched. He also crossed dress. That's a little bizarre to me. It's weird. It appears that he would dress like a woman, go out on the streets, come back disheveled and dirty, and then he'd want to have sex with Sheila. It was a sex, sex ritual that he forced Sheila to do. Now, he's a sexual sadist, I think. Like, he's, he's butting into one because he'd also physically abuse her, and he would deny her food so she wouldn't gain weight. But it seems like he's tying sex with pain and suffering. And oh, that's clearly. usually a sadist. Yeah. So eventually he was going to kill because with, sexual sadist. He would have or had someone do it because he's such a narcissist. Yeah. But did, were they married at that point? Yes. Yeah, so all of this was happening. She uh, filed for divorce. The divorce battle lasted over 10 years. And how long were they married? Not very long, just a few years. The main point of contention was uh, custody of their two daughters, Stevie 
and her older sister, Daryl. Now, remember, Stevie's the one that found, right, her mother's body. So the divorce took 10 years. From what I can tell, he didn't really care about his daughters. And, and they'll tell you that well, when they're interviewed. Well, obviously, he didn't when he knew that one of his daughters would come home. Right, and, and find, find them. their mother dead. And they feel that it was more about control and hurting Sheila because she was a really good mother. He turned her daughters against her at some point and claimed that she abused him. It was a long, drawn-out case, and sometime during the custody battle, Sheila met Jamie, and they got married. Jamie said that they met on Southwest Airlines flight from Phoenix to San Antonio. He asked, quote, the attractive woman in the aisle seat, is that seat taken, ma'am? Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) And he said that it was love at first sight. After the airplane landed, Sheila let Bellish drive her home, Gave him her number and said goodnight. Okay, so guys, guys, if you meet a stranger, no matter how much you like the stranger, do not let them drive you home. Now, Jamie was fine. He wasn't a killer, but I'm like, but you okay, don't know. is and that this goes a for, different time? Uh, that goes for men and women. Don't let a woman drive you home. Don't let a man drive you home. You Especially after the are. first meeting. Yes. Yeah, you don't know who they are. And, and so it's in the 90s or early 2000s. I just, I would never, ever, ever, ever do that. Things and, are looser now. People do it. I mean, internet dating. Uh, like to me, that'd be a serial killer treasure trove. Oh, it would. Or internet molester, dating. sexual molester. Oh, yeah. But, but, but some people, it works out good for them. Well, within a month, they're planning their wedding. And they were married in 1993. That's, That's when this happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so she was murdered in 2003. So this was 1993. And we talk about rushing things and how predators do that. But, but yet Jamie a, was not a predator. As far as we know. I mean, probably not. And they not. rushed it. His wife died before we could find out what kind of husband he turned into. Yes, that's true. But they but were all accounts, married no, 10 years. Yeah. Now, they did have Ten some. Years. Yeah, they did have some problems, though. They did have some problems. Again, he was pretty strict with the, the girls, and she didn't like that. Um, but here's what caused them to move. They you know, said it was a promotion, but actually what happened is Blackthorne suddenly dropped the custody case in the summer of 97. And Je- oh, that make me so nervous. Sheila was worried. So and she, 10 years later. She and Jamie fled in the middle of the night to Sarasota, Florida to get away from him and hide from him. He hired a private investigator. Oh, I thought he had tricked the daughter into telling him. That too. But it was both. He called to try to get information about where she lived. And thank goodness the lady did not give it to him. So then he tricked the daughter and said, well, I want to, you know, have Christmas with you guys. So um, I need to know where you live. And she didn't know. She did you not didn't know. Imagine your dad wants to know to kill your mother. Yeah. And I also think that the fame, because there was some fame surrounding them having the quadruplets. You know, they, oh, yeah. they had been, uh, you know, interviews and things like that. And so there was definitely some fame there, but he couldn't find her. He finally had to trick his daughter. Here's something that I think would be important. If you're a private investigator, Maybe stop to think why an ex-spouse is asking you to find another spouse, clearly wanting to not be found. And some of them give the information freely. Right. Here's where they are. Yeah. Like, to me, that's weird. I don't care what story they're telling you. I would instead 
If you're going to find her, contact the wife and warn her, your mm-hmm. ex-husband hired me to find you. What's going on? You exactly. know? Exactly. But Cause if it, oh. it's very frustrating. It it's is. It's very frustrating. So um, they do some background, you know, at least on the person they're asking you to find. Now, I want to show you this because I learned years ago when I was teaching, and I still do sometimes uh, marriage classes, one of the things that you want to look for uh, in a marriage is, um, let me see if I can find this, is uh, contempt. Oh, yeah. So if you see contempt in photos and things, that is hidden hostility. Contempt grows. He's, it doesn't stop. It grows. This picture of him, I took a snapshot. I was watching the Unsolved Mysteries, the crime documentary on the murder of Sheila, and this is him holding his baby, one of his daughters, an infant. What do you see on his face? Well, irritation, anger. Contempt. Contempt. Because with contempt, one side of the mouth lifts. And look at the eyes mm-hmm. and the brows. Mm-hmm. He obviously, whoever he's looking at, which I think it was Sheila, Sheila. he has contempt. Especially if he's holding the baby. And we know that he doesn't like children because he kicked his first wife in the stomach to try to kill the baby when she shared the news that she was pregnant. I'd be curious how he... how. His reaction was when they had the second child or the first know. one. And you can Look see the that arrogance smug, here. Arrogant. Yeah, he was a very smug, arrogant man. By that picture, I really think at that time he probably thought he was going to get away with that. Probably. Later, detectives learned that Del Toro was going to kill Sheila only because he was told that she was abusing the children. But when Del Toro got inside the house, he didn't see an abusive mom. He saw a loving and caring mom. And he watched her for over an hour. He had an hour to leave. He was going to leave, but then she saw him. So, because, yeah, he gets there. He hides, I think, in the laundry room, if I'm not mistaken, but somewhere where she couldn't see him. And he's watching her, like, you know, change diapers and talk to the babies. And they got their little life vests on, you know, to keep them safe. And... And she did that all the time. And he's like, I got to get out of here. And so he tried to sneak out. And then that's when she saw him and he shot her in the face. Still, Mm -hmm. just go. She saw you. No big deal. No harm. Right. You're just going to, you may get a burglary. You leave. Yes. You know, you don't say, I'm going to kill her. She saw me. Right. You, You just leave. Right. Run away. Nope. He didn't. Shot her in the face. And, uh, one of the quadruplets said, Bad mom, bad man hurt mommy. And I can like when I was thinking about that, I could just imagine them walking around in her blood saying, uh oh, boo boo. You know, you know what I mean? Like I could just them trying to get her to wake up. I mean, they were just pretty the whole young. scene, yeah. They were really young. Yeah. Was awful. And obviously they weren't in school yet. The FBI agent, uh, you can see the interview in the um unsolved mysteries he said that he doesn't get angry when working a case because he's there to do a job but this one made him very 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 angry now i hope he was the one that got to arrest him yeah and i'm gonna play a clip i accidentally played it early so i'm gonna move it to this section of the podcast where it was hard to get him so they had to actually come up with a plan to arrest him for this crime it was was very interesting why was it hard to get him well, 
they used two statutes because there was a legal issue, some type of legal issue, and I didn't understand it fully on the federal charges. So they used two statutes to arrest him because of the fact that the plan was hatched in Texas and the assailant crossed state lines. In Florida. So that made it an interstate conspiracy to commit murder and an interstate domestic violence. So that's something was going on there where they couldn't just go pick him up. And uh, so they had to come, they had to basically find these, you know, crimes and charge them with that. He was given two uh, concurrent life sentences with no possibility for parole, starting at the Beaumont, Texas federal prison. So no death penalty. Mm -mm, No. Yeah. Which maybe they don't carry a death penalty. And we know that Del Toro didn't get it because he had to be extradited from Mexico. From Mexico. And he was the shooter. Yes. So you probably, you're not going to get the death penalty for planning it. Right. And then here's the, okay, so you got Del Toro, and then I showed you a picture of him. So that that's him right there. And then this is uh, Sammy, I believe. Um, and he tried to get off later and kind of backtracked on his role. And um, Don't they usually? Yes. There's many stories, and then there's the truth. Yes, that's right. true. Now, uh, Blackthorn was almost killed in 2001 when he was attacked by a prison gang because criminals don't like scumbags that have little babies. That is parents true. Killed. Surprisingly true. Mm-hmm. Sexual crimes and children crimes, they, they have they don't a like, code. They'll kill you. They have mm-hmm. a, a standard. Yeah. A cr- yes, criminals, criminals have standards. Do you yes. look in that picture, which you can find on the website? The officer behind, looking at him, looks like mm-hmm. contempt to me, mm-hmm. that female officer. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, he was segregated and then transferred to a Florida facility, and he died at the age of 59 on November 18th, 2014. Of what? They wouldn't release the cause of death. Interesting. So that poop bird's dead. Uh, okay. So we see... It was never about the girls. Blackthorn, he never cared about the girls. Is about power and control. Sheila recognized the danger that she was in, and, he, and she got away. She did everything right, but he she found her. Because mm-hmm. they fled. In they the fled in the, the middle of the night. night. So, and you know he didn't care about the kids, because right. they found the body, the daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ten horrible. years. Ten years he waited to kill her. Well, then if it wasn't, which is interesting, because if it wasn't about his two daughters, Mm-mm. then what, what? Winning. Winning. That's what we've seen over and over this, this season. It's about winning. These men, it, that's what it's about. Same thing with Maria Spencer. It was about winning. Remember, she said, you're not going to win, Spencer. You're not going to win. It's this obsession that they have to win. And it's a rage that will not be satisfied until the person they're raging against is removed. And then they win. And then they win. Yeah. Which again, so yeah, you win and now you're in jail. So that's really winning. But he won. He, he killed her. But now he's in jail. Mm-hmm. So that they separate those. And I they think. legitimately think they, they will get away with it yes. too. Yes. Like if you look at like some people are like, well, you know, I wonder if maybe the reason Ted Bundy drove down to Florida was because he wanted to get caught and get the death penalty. So he'd be, you know, killed. No, he loved no. it. He absolutely loved 
This uh, was killing. more like a game, and he loved killing. He always thought he could get away with it. They always think they can get away with what they do. Plus, there are a lot of pretty college girls down in those universities. But Bundy did get away with it quite often, escaped. I mean, you know, different that, that was such a game to him. Escaping twice from the Colorado jail was the most aggravating thing in that entire case because if they would have done their job then he wouldn't have killed the the girls in um the university the sorority house in florida charming. he was charming even to police officers some were quoted but here they you have him. in one prison member where the light fixture they kept telling them they needed to fix it and then the prisoners kept telling the wardens hey he's escaping he's been working on it her Right. I, I'm not very happy, actually, with Colorado police, because when you look with the John Benet Ramsey case, now they botched that. And then you look at um, Ted Bundy. They're just not my favorite people. Right. But <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're all bad. They, I guess. They probably had cases they Maybe have Maybe y'all solved. can send me a case where they actually did their job right. and I'll change my mind. I feel like the captain now on True Crime Bar- right. Garage. I'm not happy with them at all. I don't have anything good to say. Okay. Stevie testified at her father's trial. Remember, she's the one that discovered her mother. At this time, she's 16, so three hours, three hours, three years later. She said that her father was manipulative and controlling. She said, quote, there was an incident when Alan beat me up pretty badly. I had bruises on my back, on my arm, and on my face. This is her dad. He beat his daughter up. She had to be really young. Yeah. It appears that Blackthorne had a new wife uh, during the trial that sat several rows behind him taking notes. And he'd mouth, hi, baby, I love you. Did they have a child? Because I saw when he was arrested in the car or going into court. I can't remember. Uh, There was a woman with him. I don't know. And a baby. I just think it's sickening. Mm. Let me read what she said in court because we're almost done because I know you got to get to your football game. After she hopped off the school bus that day, she walked into the family's Sarasota home, and she found her quadruplet siblings crying and wearing only life vests. She searched room to room for her mother. She said, I found my mom lay on the floor in the doorway of the kitchen. She was covered in blood, and I could see her throat was slit. There was blood everywhere. She bent down and said, Mom, Mom, I thought she was playing a trick on me, Stevie said. Daryl, in court, said that her father had given her the ability to hate. Oh, no. The day I'm happy again is the, is the day that my mom is alive. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. So I guess I'll compromise. He can spend the rest of his life in jail and die there. Then I can go out and celebrate. That's so sad. Her whole life was ruined. Yes. And she was By having a little father. bit of rough a time, rough time anyway. Daryl was. Um, she didn't like the new marriage. There's a little bit of tension between her and Jamie Bellish. But let me show you the quadruplets. Um, How old's uh, the, the, oh. So these are the grown. boys. These are the boys. I don't know where the daughter is. I hunted and hunted and hunted and tried to find out. Find out. But I found this at felonyfollowup.com. Jamie, Sheila's husband, relocated with Stevie and the quadruplets. Uh, and he adopted Stevie and Daryl. Uh, Alan's daughters in oh, 1997. Yeah, he moved them to New Jersey, and then they moved to Alabama, and he did remarry. Three of the Bellish quads, Joe, Frank, and Tim, in this picture, joined the National Guard after they graduated from high school in Alabama, and then their sister, Courtney, attends the University of Miami, Ohio. Frank joined the Marines. Good job, Frank. At some point, and served in Afghanistan. So here's the pictures. This is when they were taking their oath into the National Guard. 
And then Steve, uh, Sheila's daughter, Stevie, attended Portland State University. She graduated in 2013. Oh. Daryl attended college in Florida. Blackthorn's millions went to Sheila's six children. Oh, that's wonderful. Sheila's father, and here's sad. This is one last thing. Sheila's life was very hard. Her dad died in Vietnam. He was aboard the AC-130 gunship nicknamed Thor when it was shot down over Laos on December 21st, 1972. Two of the 16 crewmen survived. Sheila was 10 at the time. In 1985, an excavation took place in the site, and they found 50,000 tiny bone fragments and positively identified Sheila's father. In her short life, she lost her father. Her younger sister died after just 19 days of being born. A year after her father died, her brother killed himself. And her mother, Verma Jean Smith, who lived through all of that, now had a daughter who was murdered. Oh, my Lord. And that's what makes cases like these sad. It's like, on some cases, it's almost like a curse. You know what I mean? It's like all these deaths surrounding the family. And it's really, really sad. And I hope with these new, you know, these little critters all grown Look up, at them all together, live in their getting, lives, yeah. you know, that that things will turn around for the Bellish family. And they, they were young enough, too, not to see a lot of what the father or the uh, ex-husband did and, and, you know, sort of, they didn't grow up with it. Yes. You know, all that anger and yes. contempt. Yeah. That's really sad. I'm sure they did have sadness, though, but they oh, seem, sure. seems like, you know, Jamie, who was a, a, you know, a Marine, raised them up to be um, good citizens. And I like that. I like that they served our country, and I appreciate it. And uh, I think it's this one that went to the Marines. Um, but anyway, he, they he did a good job after she was killed. But ten, it just, go ten, ahead. 10 years, that's what fascinates me. That's what I was going to say. So it goes to prove, even though someone that's been abused, a woman or man, just because they're gone and you don't hear from them, doesn't mean... They're forgetting about you. Mm-hmm. That's 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I mean, I, well, maybe I'm not. I don't know if Sheila coached her daughters to never say where they were. I'm sure they knew how their dad was and there was some danger, but she was just a kid. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, and, she was a and kid. And he was a master manipulator. She didn't stand a chance. No, she didn't. There's no blame to the daughter. Mm-mm. There shouldn't be. No, there That's shouldn't. That's dad. No right. matter how crappy he was of a dad, it's still your dad. Yes. How many do you know uh, their dads have been convicted of things, and, and it's still their dad. They still see their dad. Mm-hmm. They I mean, still love them. the dad. That's your dad. Yeah. That's terrible. But I think in this case, she did everything right to get away she did everything she could. She knew he was dangerous. But again, the start of a relationship is crucial. Do your research. Mm-hmm. Find out. It it always takes two to tango. It's never just one person in a divorce. And these days, it's easier to check on people yes, than it, it was is. back then. It is. Do you know, is he still alive? No, no, he died in prison at the age of 59. Oh, he did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they moved him to the Florida prison, and he died not long after that at age oh, 59. I thought it was the Joey. Uh, Joey. I'm, I'm no, it sorry. was Alan You did Blackburn. say that. I thought it was Joey. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't release the cause of death. Okay. I, so, I, okay. good riddance. Good riddance, I say, also. So, be smart. Smart. 
Be rude. Mm-hmm. Don't be a victim. I should know the be rude one. You really need to memorize our I saying. Do. I do know it. No, obviously not. You know, it's like you're sitting and someone says, oh, do you have a memory of a, uh, you know, they say, well, you do that all the time. And they, they said, like, how? And you're like, you have no examples, even though you know they're in your head. That's sort of like this. So a brain freeze? Yeah. I've had a few today. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? <laughs> <laughs>